0: Thanks for mentioning Rob, Nate. Yeah, Rob Lindsay went into the emergency room early this morning. Those of you that know him, you know he's been dealing with some lower back pain for uh, months. And it just got so bad today that he went to the hospital. I think he's been there twice. I think he's been to the emergency room twice today. So they're trying to take care of him. I think he's going to be speaking to a surgeon soon. Try and figure that out. Please pray for him. We are officially the church that is way out in left field. You can expect more baseball humor as the evening goes on. A couple things to let you know about. One, I think I had to mention this before, but I'm mentioning it again. There is someone who, this is not a joke, who is impersonating me And has sent uh, some emails and text messages out to people in our church. I guess this is a scam that is popular today. So if you get an email or a text from me. And I am asking you to buy me eBay gift cards. It's not me. It's not me. Second thing I wanted to say. It's. It's been a really strange few months, and as you look around, I know that we have, and this is great, lots of new faces, people who've actually started attending, trying to find us where wherever we are. It's all changing almost week to week. So if you're one of those people or families, and you've sort of showed up to our church just in the last few months, uh... I wanted to make myself available if you wanted to ask questions about the church, if you've been following us or even attending as you can for the last several months and you're interested in membership and you have questions about that, go to our website, find my email address on the website and send something to me this week and I'll get back with you. So, tonight, we are picking up a sermon series that we put down way back in March. And the title of the series is The Promised Presence Focusing the Identity and Ministry of the Holy Spirit. And if you'll remember, I have inserted this topical series into our expositional series on the first letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and we paused that right before entering controversial chapter 14. Chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians is controversial, and I paused there because many Christians come to that chapter with a lot of different presuppositions about the Holy Spirit. So the main aim of this brief series is to, God willing, get us on the same page. So this will be part four. Let me begin by reminding you of what I've already taught in parts one, two, and three. Many of you weren't even here. When we went through those. So, in week one, regarding the identity of the Holy Spirit, that is, who is he? I made three points He is God, He is a person, He is the promised presence of Jesus Christ. In fact, in the New Testament, The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. And so it can be said of every Christian, and it is said in Romans 8.10, that Christ is in you. Week two, regarding the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that is, what does he do? He is today making known the presence of Christ in and with the Christian. J.I. Packer, who just went to be with the Lord in the last couple weeks, he describes this breathtaking reality. Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ of the scriptures, once crucified, now glorified, is here, personally approaching and addressing me. Christ is in you, Christian. The Holy Spirit is in you. And he is mediating to you the very presence of Christ. God himself is personally approaching you and addressing you. The Holy Spirit, right now, he is in you, and he is like a floodlight illuminating Jesus which results in at least three things. Fellowship with Christ. Transformation into Christ's likeness. And assurance of Christ's love. Those are three things that happen because Jesus Christ is in you through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you have fellowship and community and communion with Jesus. You are being transformed. You are being made more and more like Jesus. And He is there in you and with you, assuring you every moment of every day, Jesus loves you. Week three. We stepped back in time to consider the Holy Spirit's role in our conversion. That is, when we became a Christian. For some of you, that was recently. For some of you, it hasn't happened yet. For some of you, that was a long time ago. But on week three, we thought about the Holy Spirit's role. What did he have to do with me coming to Christ? Well, when you became a Christian, you know this. You believed something that you had never believed before. Maybe you'd heard it before. But for the first time, you believed the gospel. You believed as deeply as you could That Jesus really came and he lived and he suffered and he died and he rose from the dead. And he did that in your place. He lived the life that you couldn't live. He died a death that you should have to die. And he did that in your place so that you could be reconciled to God and have relationship with him. You believed that when you became a Christian. And you believed that because the Holy Spirit awakened you. The biblical term is born again, the theological term is regeneration. The Holy Spirit opened your heart, He opened your eyes, He opened your ears, and no longer was the gospel coming to you like bullets off a rock. You believed it and it changed everything. You haven't been the same since. God, by the Holy Spirit, He called you to Himself and He changed your heart so that you freely responded in saving faith. And at that moment, think of it like this, at that moment, the Holy Spirit, he moved in. He took up residency in you as the promised presence of Christ. And that brings us to tonight. Tonight, we go from conversion to transformation. We go from what happened then, to what is happening today. From the Spirit's role in our conversion, to the Spirit's role in our sanctification, neither is possible without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You can't become a Christian without the Holy Spirit, You can't stay a Christian without the Holy Spirit. You can't be changed, transformed, made more like Jesus without the Holy Spirit. And it is imperative that we grasp that. It is absolutely imperative that we grasp that so that God will not be robbed of His glory. Transformation, sanctification, or holiness. I will use those terms interchangeably to describe this process that we are all in as Christians. This process of becoming more like Jesus and the Holy Spirit is at the center of all of it. When you think of the Holy Spirit, what do you think of? Historically, when you thought of the Holy Spirit, what did you think of? I'm guessing things like miracles or gifts or signs and wonders. Maybe for some of you, speaking in tongues or healing or power. Listen. Holiness should come to mind. Holiness should come to mind. The Holy Spirit is in you, Christian, and He is in you to make you holy. The aim of this sermon is really straightforward, and it is really simple. It is to grasp, if you haven't grasped it before, Or it is to be reminded of all the Holy Spirit is doing to make you more like Jesus so that we would be grateful and give God glory. That's the aim of the sermon. Here is something that R.C. Sproul wrote. Though the Spirit is no more and no less holy than the Father and the Son, the Holy in His name calls attention to the focal point of His work in the plan of redemption. He, the Holy Spirit, is the one who applies the work of Christ to our lives by working in us to bring us to full conformity in the image of Christ. So hopefully, all of those introductory words help to get us serious about the topic before us. Let us understand this and then give glory to God. And let's begin in prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for bringing us together. It is warm, and we are not as comfortable, but we are together, and so we thank you. Open our hearts and minds, we pray, and reach us with your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we are starting with this verse because our main point, it is plainly stated here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Let's read it one more time. We all with unveiled face. That means the blinders are gone. The scales are gone. With unveiled face, we are beholding the glory of the Lord. That is Jesus the Christ. We see him in all his beauty, in all his glory. We are being transformed into the same image that is of the Lord. From one degree of glory to another And who is the catalyst in this transformation? For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Here's the outline that we will be following for the next few minutes. There are three questions that I'm looking to answer. Number one, what has happened to us? Number two, what is happening to us? And number three, what should our response be? We're thinking about the Holy Spirit's role in our sanctification, in our holiness, in making us more like Jesus? Question one, what has happened? Question two, what is happening? Question three, what should our response be? When the Bible describes our salvation, it is described in three tenses, isn't it? Past, present, and future. You have been saved. You are being saved. You will be saved. Theologically, you have been saved. That refers to positional sanctification. You are being saved. That refers to progressive sanctification. And one day, on the new heavens and the new earth, you will be saved. That is a perfect sanctification. Let's just look at the first two. And now we'll answer the questions, what has happened and what is happening. Let's look at these in scripture. Question number one. What has happened to us? You have been saved. Sanctified means set apart. Which is basically the same thing that holiness means. These words are closely related. To be sanctified means to be cut off. It means to be set apart. When you became a Christian. When you were converted. You were set apart by God. You were cut off from the world by God. You were adopted. You were taken from the world and the biblical languages. You were adopted into God's family. Your spiritual position changed forever, which is why the theologians call this a positional sanctification. We really looked at this in week three as we considered the Holy Spirit's role in our conversion. But let me give you just two more scriptures that refer to this past tense sanctification. 1 Corinthians 1-2 To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Past tense sanctified. That has happened to us. It's already done. Same thing as in 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So what has happened to you, Christian? You have been sanctified. You have been saved. You have been set apart. You have been made holy. You have been changed. And that is absolutely foundational. Your entire life now is built upon it. It is the foundation. Or it is the headwaters. And your life is the river that flows from it. You have been sanctified. Question number two What is happening to us? And the answer is you are being saved. This refers to a progressive sanctification. That means that you and I are in progress. We are not what we were. We are also not what we will be. John Newton, you remember, lamented this, but was also grateful. He said, I am not who I should be. I am not who I want to be. I am not who I will be. But by the grace of God, I am not who I once was. That's you, Christian. You are in progress. You are being saved. Now let me read to you. I don't know if you've read this scripture before and put this together. But this past tense and present tense sanctification, it shows up in Hebrews chapter 10 in two verses that are very close to each other, verse 10 and verse 14. And I want you to hear this, what has happened to us and also what is happening to us now, Hebrews 10.10. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And then three verses later, verse 14, by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So you hear, being sanctified is something that has happened to you. You have been set apart. It is also, Christian, something that is happening to you every day. Every day you are being more and more set apart by God. Every day you are being made more and more holy. You know it doesn't feel like that. You know that sometimes this degree of glory from one to another, this changing, this transformation, it's barely noticeable, isn't it? Sometimes it is incremental. It is a gradual process. But be assured, the Bible says so. The Holy Spirit is in you. He is making you more like Jesus. He is conforming you into the image of Christ. That's what our verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says. It's also what's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 15.49. Just as we have been born the image of the man of dust, that is, Adam, we're like him, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven, that is, Jesus. We can go back to Genesis chapter one and we can see that man was made in the image of God. And it only took two chapters for that image to be severely marred by sin. But now Christian, by the indwelling Holy Spirit, God's image is being restored in you, as we are made to be more like the perfect Man Jesus. So, this progressive sanctification—it is a lifelong work. It ends when you die. It is a work that is happening in you and through you that frees you more and more from sin. I really like the way Sinclair Ferguson describes it. To sanctify means that God repossesses persons and things that have been devoted to other uses and have been possessed for purposes other than his glory. He repossesses them and takes them into his own possession in order that they may reflect his own glory. And so Christians mature. Christians grow, they put off sin, they put on righteousness. 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. 1 Peter 2.2, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Christian, as we sit here tonight, you are being sanctified. In salvation, one author writes, We are not only saved from sin and damnation, we are saved unto holiness. The goal of redemption is holiness. And so what does God do? He calls us to be holy. He calls us to participate in this sanctification. This isn't just something where we sit back and say, okay, God, change me. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit here and pray. And you work your magic. No, God calls us to pursue holiness. By the way, if you haven't read Jerry Bridges' book, The Pursuit of Holiness, it is a fantastic book, a classic That talks about this pursuit of holiness that the Bible calls us to. Listen to 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. You shall be holy, God says, for I am holy. Serious words. Hebrews 12, 14. Strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness, and this is terrifying, strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Are you pursuing holiness? Are you interested in living a life that honors God? Teenagers, kids. Are you interested in living a life that honors God? Are you interested in pursuing holiness? I bet most of you. Teenagers, kids, you'd say you're a Christian. You'd say you believe in God. You'd say you believe the gospel. I'm so glad you do. And I believe you when you tell me that. Now listen, a Christian pursues holiness. That is, a Christian wants to be like Jesus Do you want to honor God? That is our role in sanctification. We work. We do. We pursue. We read the Bible. We pray. We study. We fellowship with Christians. We commit ourselves. We worship. We wage war against sin. So this is a good time to ask another question. Is sanctification, and most of you, you know me, you're on to my trick questions here. But let me ask it anyway. Is this sanctification growing in Christ? Is sanctification something that I do? Or is it something that God does? Because we've looked at some different verses, and that might be, Cloudy for those of you who want to pick only one answer. Am I changing or am I being changed? But you know the answer. The answer is both. The answer is yes. The answer is you work. And the answer is, God works. The answer is, God's work enables you to work. The answer is, you are able, Christian, to glorify God. You once were not able, but you are able to be pleasing to God because of God's work in you. It's both and. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What is he telling the Philippians to do? Work. Don't just relax. Don't be spiritually lazy. Don't just sit back. Get in the game. Put your helmet on. Grab the hammer. Get on your feet. Get to work. Fearful work. Trembling work. Hard work. But it's not only that. This isn't some religion we're talking about here. All the people who work hard, they get to heaven. All the people who earn it, they get to heaven. Work out your salvation does not mean earn your salvation. And this is great. The very next verse makes that clear. So let me read them both together. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. What is that saying? Saying, Christian, get to work. And as you get to work, it is God who is working in you and with you and for you. And His will is going to be accomplished in your life as you work because He is working in you. You belong to God's family. Sinclair Ferguson writes, Jesus Christ, he is your elder brother, and his spirit dwells in you, enabling you to follow in his footsteps, to be like him. Holiness is Christ-likeness as the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit is the agent of this transformation. And so we read in places like Romans 8:13, that it is by the spirit that we put sin to death. The Spirit enables us. Or if we read in Galatians 5, verses 16 and verses 22 through 23, that when good things come from our life, they come from the spirit. They are described there as the fruit of the spirit. Let me summarize that. The Holy Spirit has brought you to Jesus. The Holy Spirit has united you to Jesus. And now the Holy Spirit is the very presence of Jesus in you. Christ, through His Spirit, is in you now to glorify God by transforming you into the likeness of Christ. So in conclusion, what should our response be? I hope for many of you it's it's already the response that is bubbling up inside of you. It should be gratitude It should be thankfulness. The Christian life is a life of gratitude. If you understand this, that you have been saved, not only that, that you are being saved. That God the Spirit is working in you and you will persevere. He will get you to the end. He has changed your spiritual position. He has pulled you out of the ocean and he's not going to throw you back. You have reached the shore. And it is God who began this work in you and will see it through to completion. That leads to gratitude. And where there is gratitude, there is love. Love for God. Worship of God. Obedience to God. And what is the result of that? What is the result of your loving God? What is the result of your worshiping God? What is the result of your obeying God? The result is what everything in the universe is aimed toward, and that is the glory of God. I came across this quote this week by O.P. Gifford, And he describes with imagery, this work that God has done by his spirit and is doing by his spirit. And it might reach some of your hearts in a different way. He wrote this, the steamship So a ship is the picture. The steamship whose machinery is broken may be brought into port and made fast to the dock. She is safe, but not sound. That is what God has done. Repairs may last a long time. This is what God is doing. Christ designs to make both safe and sound, Christian. Christ's design is to make you safe and sound. Justification or your conversion gives the first safety. Sanctification gives the second soundness. But what does O.P. Gifford say? Once that ship has been safely brought to the dock, repairs may take a long time. They're taking a long time in my life. About 20 years in, still a lot of holes in the ship Still a twisted and bent prop. Not seaworthy by any means, but thanks be to the Holy Spirit. As Romans 1-4 calls him, the spirit of holiness who will complete his work in us. Thankfully, because we're outdoors, we're spread out, we can take communion together tonight. And so as some of you know, we're doing this differently now. We have leaders who are going to come to you. We'll be wearing masks and gloves. If you just, if you want to receive communion tonight, if you are a Christian who has turned from sin and you've placed your faith in Christ, you are committed to him and committed to his body, the church. You're a part of this church or another church where you are committed to God's people. Then you are welcome to take communion with us. We ask in a few minutes that you would stand up. That's how we know that you'll be taking communion. The leaders will come to you if you just put your hand out. and We'll do our best to just place the bread and the juice in your hand once you have that, so we know who has received the emblems, if you would sit back down and then be patient and wait. And once everyone is seated, I'll come back up here and we'll take it together as a family. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this night that you've given us. We thank you for the shade. Thank you for the breeze. But we thank you, God, for the work of your Holy Spirit, we would not be here if you hadn't changed us. And we would not be here if you weren't changing us. And we would have no hope if you weren't going to one day change us perfectly. So God help us now to think about these things so that you get the honor, praise and glory you deserve as we remember and celebrate the death of your son Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.